P.S. You're Wrong, the podcast where we talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love. And I'm Shelby, and I'm here with Matt. And who else do we have? And we have a special guest this week. My yes. dear close friend who lives <laughs> in New York, Sierra Velarde, is here. She works at BuzzFeed. She's very in the know. And we oh, are yeah. talking book to film adaptions. And Sierra reads lots of books and sees lots of movies. Sometimes I force her to go see them with me. So I figured <laughs> what better person to have on the show? Yeah. I mean, did he force you to see Serenity or I just have to get that out of the <laughs> oh, way? Oh, God, no. Yeah. No, the last oh, okay. movie we saw together was um, Us, I think. And oh, yeah, yes. that was the second that's, time I'd seen that's it. That's better. And, oh, okay. Yeah, no, it was good. No, I did not see Serenity. But okay. after listening to your podcast, I don't know if I want to. <laughs> <laughs> that's the right answer. How yeah. dare you? How <laughs> dare you? It's great to but have I you. I am excited for that um, Anne Hathaway and Rebel Wilson movie. Coming oh, up. yeah, me too. Yes. For sure. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Same. And Rebel Wilson was also great in Isn't It Romantic? For those no. of you okay. who have <laughs> yet to see that fantastic <laughs> film. No. No. <laughs> no, Matt, we've talked about this. You have to stop bringing up your bad taste. Like it just, it just <laughs> turns audience members away. Sierra and I are going to see uh, Avengers Endgame together this weekend. Oh, so very excited. Oh That'll God. be a fun eight and a half hours together. <laughs> yes, we'll go in at six and leave at 3 a.m. It'll be great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where do you fall on the matt to shelby spectrum of enjoying avengers sierra um i feel like i'm squarely in the middle like i really liked okay. them in the beginning like i like loved mm. like when iron man came out captain america and then it just became too much it became like mm. a chore where there's like six every yeah. year you have to do your um homework, so yeah i'll like go to the i like really liked all this all the spider-man ones like even the bad ones like i love all the spider-man <laughs> ones um but i saw when i saw um infinity war last year i was just like I was distraught for like a week afterwards. So oh, okay, um, okay, needed to see this. But yeah, very much in the middle. Yeah, well, Matt was distraught too, but for all the wrong reasons. So. <laughs> I was distraught because I didn't know what the heck was going on in that movie. Yeah, it's really embarrassing. But I, I feel like I should have a grip on this one. I've seen like the last four okay. Marvel movies. I yeah, think. I mean, so. during Captain Marvel, you were like, "What's the deal with that blue square?" So already, like, you've kind of shown your hand. <laughs> but you answered my question and was like, "Oh." They somebody breaks it into a rock that's then in Thanos's <laughs> glove. So, yes, am I right? Like, yeah, yeah. Basic way to describe yeah, it, but yeah, 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 yeah. It takes a few movies, but yes, that, okay, that ends okay. up happening. So I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm glad that we have established <laughs> that. But I'm excited because we get to start off this week with our new, um, whatever we call these segments. And we get to talk about a movie near and dear to my heart because the only new trailer to come out this week was Hobbs and Shaw. And this is the second full trailer we've gotten. And frankly, it was a lot of new footage. So I'm curious, <laughs> what do you guys all think? Uh, well, I was concerned because I think it's basically the entire movie in the trailer. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not really sure why anybody would need to go and see this after watching the trailer. Other yeah. than that they just want, uh, you know, more of uh, what's-her-face from The Crown who's in it. <laughs> Vanessa Kirby, who is looking That's who you're very That's good. That's where she's from. Yes. I like, yes. couldn't put it on. But- she, she was looking great and killing a lot of people. So I'll go see it for that. But otherwise, I don't know. What did you think about it, Sierra? 
I personally love all the Fast and Furious movies. I think Thank they're very you. fun. Oh my gosh. Yes, they're just like yes. you're, <laughs> Why do I bring my friends yeah, on this I know. podcast Your friends and then have they just taste. disagree with Thank me you. right and left? Yeah. <laughs> no, I I just think that they're fun. You're not going to get like an award-winning movie when you see it, but you just go in for two hours. You have a lot of fun. I actually had no idea they were making this movie before <gasps> I saw it, the trailer, but like, oh. I'll see it. It'll be fun. Yeah. I mean, this is like, so this is the spinoff from Fast and the Furious and it stars two of the most beloved new characters in the franchise, Hobbs and Shaw played by <laughs> The Rock and Jason Statham. And there was some drama in getting this one made because Van Diesel was pretty jealous, but it looks like it's going to be a riot in the best way. And I agree with you, Matt, though. I really struggle with trailers these days. I usually don't watch past like the teaser because they just overshare and this mo- this trailer especially like had full scenes like it wasn't just like rapid fire clips it was like extended <laughs> scenes from the movie so it just feels sort of weird to already have seen all the best jokes yeah like the first like minute was a full scene like <laughs> yeah. this is what the heck? Yeah, and then he goes to visit his family, and there's like a bunch of talking there, and then he's doing the haka, and it's just like, I wish I could have just gone into the theater and seen it, you know? Yeah. Have you guys talked at all yet about that trailer? I don't remember the name of the movie, but it's like the kid falls through the, the ice, and then it's like a Christian Breakthrough. Movie. <laughs> oh, I we yeah. have not, but I have no. seen that trailer. It's very you have because we were wondering if it was just a Texas thing, like if it was just in Christian neighborhoods. But it's no, in they're New York pushing too. it hard. Oh, they're wow. pushing hard. I have seen it before. I swear, every movie I've been oh, to yeah. since January. It's oh, oh my gosh. it's been painful. It's like <laughs> you just do what you can do, and the Lord will do the rest. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. yeah. Well, what shocked me is like I recognized every single person in that trailer too yes but what yeah i know it's crazy well it came out this weekend so i don't know if it did too well but i mean oh it did yeah it was an easter Easter. movie yeah oh (laughs) yeah Mm. i didn't look up spoilers so i don't know if the kid lives or not but i'm fairly certain he does (laughs) so (laughs) i hope so that'd be kind of a downer yeah yeah but that's another trailer i'll be happy to never watch again so well it happened Mm. the actual like real story of it happened in missouri which as we all know matt went to university of missouri surprise oh yeah (laughs) i did Mm -hmm. were you part of that prayer circle did you go to the hospital and hold a candle up uh yes yes (laughs) sierra and i were actually we were at the lake at the time and we you know we did that a little army crawl out there and helped drag him out. We were recast as grown men in the movie yeah. version, but in real yeah. life, it was actually the two of us as teenagers. That's so. amazing. That's yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my yeah. gosh, you guys. That's It's miracle. erasure that we're not actually <laughs> in the movie. Honestly. Yeah. Well, maybe be glad for that. You know, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, that doesn't great. But um, should we get into the bulk of this episode? Because I know we're all excited to talk about books. I mean, I was an English major. Matt was an English major. I'm guessing Sierra was an English major. I was actually a journalism major because University of Missouri, actually, they did have a journalism school. But um, yes, I did take a lot of English classes. (laughs) Close enough. (laughs) Close enough. It was 
business awards. We got it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was a major that it's hard to get a job with. And that is what brings <laughs> yes. us together. Exactly. So we all love books. And, you know, it seems like every movie these days is uh, an adaption of a book. And, you know, Game of... Now, it's also the same with TV, Game of Thrones, Handmaid's mm. Tale, Series of Unfortunate Events. Like, everything Catch-22 is coming out is based on a book. And so we decided that for this episode, we are going to talk about the best and worst book to movie adaptions. Shelby, would you like to set this up for us? Like how we're going to go walk through these? Yeah. Um, so we each, and I'm trying, I hope I remember this correctly and I did my homework right, but we each have picked three of our favorites, three of the worst, and then found one book that has yet to be adapted that we hope will one day make it to the big or little screen. So I think we'll just do round circle style, right? We'll each go through our bests and then our worst and then trickle on down to um, the hopefuls. Yeah. And we don't know what each other picked. Oh, yeah. Except for the fact that we know that Shelby picked Jurassic Park as a favorite. (laughs) So why don't you just start with that, Shelby? Oh, okay. Okay. I can talk about Jurassic Park any day, all day. So just stop me when it gets too long. But basically... Um, <laughs> Jurassic Park is a little indie film, uh, came out in 1993. Um, it was, <laughs> I'd, I'd be surprised if anyone had this point in our lives has not seen Jurassic Park, but I did in fact know one human who had never watched it and I quickly cut them out of my life. So I don't know if he ever went around <laughs> watching. Oh my gosh. Who was this person? So, he was someone I knew. I I didn't. <laughs> I was being facetious. I just happened to never have to see him again. Like he just passed through like a social event I was at, and like it just came up, and I was like, "You've never seen Jurassic Park," and he's just like really proud of it. You know, he's like, "Yeah, I mean, like." It's just it's too overhyped at this point. Like, why bother? And you know that like energy. It's just like I yeah. can't. I don't need that yeah. in my life, you know. <laughs> no, I just I don't know why people think it's like cool to not like or not see things that everyone loves. It's like people love it for a reason. And yeah, and it's like don't Park, watch it, but classic. don't think it's a personality trait, you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but anyway, so Jurassic Park was a novel by Michael Crichton, and what's interesting about it is obviously a lot of Michael Crichton is based in film, TV. He wanted to be a screenwriter first, started to work in novels later. And so he knew this would be a movie as he was writing the book because he knew Steven Spielberg from working on ER together. They were writing the script for that. And so they kind of had this symbiotic relationship and they knew that he would probably end up directing it. But what was interesting is all the different ways Jurassic Park could have come to be because it was there was an auction for the film rights right before the book was purchased or published. And it was between like Warner Brothers, who were optioning it for Tim Burton, <laughs> which oh, would have gosh. just been so awful. And then Columbia Pictures was like, offering Richard Donner, who did Christopher Reeve's Superman, was his big film. And 20th Century Fox had Joe Dante, who did Gremlins. And then, you know, Universal came through with Steven Spielberg. So the movie could have been really, really different. And luckily, it turned into the masterpiece we have today, which, I mean, it's sort of hard to just, like, unpack. I don't... 
Like, do we want to just do like a brief overview or like, I guess we should have talked about this <laughs> before starting the episode. I mean, I guess what I wanted to talk about mostly was how, why I think this is a good adaptation and like what I think translated well from book to screen and why it works, even if it isn't like a literal, honest page by page adaptation. Because if you read Jurassic Park, which I've force a lot of my friends to read because I, think I it's have a really good book I yeah I'm oh sorry. well you should get in on that <laughs> I that's will read okay it. yeah it's really entertaining and what's interesting about it is like Michael Crichton's style he was a doctor originally and so his style is very like analytical he has a lot of monologuing scientists in all of his novels and it's all like very pseudo sciencey realistic and Jurassic Park is no different it's a very I mean, obviously, it's about dinosaurs coming to life and whatever. But at the heart of it, it's just theorizing about like the anxiety of science. And like at that time when he was writing it, it came out in, I think, 1983 or he started writing it in 1983. And um, it was all about like the anxiety around genetic mutation, which was happening at that time in the 90s. It was a big deal. You had all this like talk about clones and all this like oh we can build this from scratch so there was a lot of like anxiety in the air and he wrote this novel to deal with those themes of like the potentialities of science and like knowledge versus moral consciousness guiding people's motivations and so it became this frankenstein sort of cautionary tale about humanity creating without knowing why or having a real reason for doing it. And so, I mean, I love this novel. I wrote my senior thesis about Frankenstein and Jurassic Park and both the film and the book. And so it's a really interesting adaptation because, again, a lot of it is changed from the book to the movie, but it keeps true to the heart of it, which I think is what is important in a lot of adaptations. And the reason a lot of adaptations don't work is because obviously you can't have 360 pages in a two hour movie. And so it kind of becomes a issue of navigating like, okay, like, is this going to be true to the themes, true to the lessons or the thoughts or the characters that are on the page? Or is it just going to be a splashy dinosaur blockbuster? And I think Jurassic Park does a really good job of navigating that like monologue lectury, science-y part of it while still <laughs> making an entertaining monster flick. Because I remember as a kid, I was like, this is boring. Where are the dinosaurs? But then it just is so interesting to watch now. And I think it holds up because there is more substance to it than just monster bashing, which is what all the sequels and Jurassic World turned out to be. So I'm curious, do you guys, I mean, obviously we like Jurassic Park, but do you think it works as an adaptation for like these themes that Michael Crichton had playing in it? Well, I read the book. I read both of the books this past winter yes. at Shelby's command. No, <laughs> I read them because she said they were good. Shut and I was off. like, okay, let me, <laughs> yeah. uh, let me, let me read these as well. And I think that he does a great job in both of the books with packing this, these themes into fantastic action sequences yeah. and just books that really like are 
plot driven. There's no extra room in there where like nothing's happening. Like things are going on 100% of the time. And I think when it's translating to the movie, you just like take some of those dinosaur attacks out more than anything or get rid of a couple of the characters who got killed off in the books because there's so much plot there that you don't really need to like reconstruct things or move things around. You just kind of like pull out some of the dinosaurs and make things a little more streamlined. But for me, the theme was still there the whole time. I don't know. What did you think, Sierra, as someone who hasn't read the books but has seen the movies? Yeah, just like as a movie in general, it's still one of my favorite movies. Like what? It's like 25 years after it came out. Yeah. Um, I remember like when you were saying you were younger, Shelby, that you were like, oh, this is boring. I thought I was terrified of the movie growing <laughs> up and still kind of am. Like the scene when the two kids are in the kitchen and oh, yes. the, the like the scary raptors. ones with like the mains. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I still terrifies me to this day, but yeah, no, it, it's one of those things that like when you're younger, you're like, Oh, this is a dinosaur movie. And then you, mm-hmm. you watch it as an adult and there's like much broader themes, much more important themes um, that they do really well without being like, I don't know, too preachy and still being right. entertaining. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like a very like character driven film still, which I think yes. is what's interesting is it's like, it took 20, 25 months of pre-production to even get started on it because they had to create like animatronics. And then on top of that, they really put their like heart and soul into promoting the film, but they refused to show any dinosaurs in the trailers because Steven Spielberg, of course, from Jaws is like, hide the monster. Yeah. So it was like, it was a very hyped film and it, it paid off in huge ways. It became the highest grossing film until Titanic and it made almost a billion dollars worldwide. It like won all of the technical films at the uh, technical awards at the Oscars. And it's just like constantly referenced as one of the greatest action thrillers ever made. And I think that's exactly because they kind of, they don't sacrifice character or interesting thoughts or thematics for just a good action sequence. They managed to marriage the two, marry the two in like such an interesting way. And so I think that's why it's like stood the test of time and it continues to be something you can revisit and rewatch. Whereas if you look at any of the Jurassic Park sequels, <laughs> they are not Yikes. easy to rewatch. No. It's very painful to like go back and rewatch Jurassic World or like try and enjoy Jurassic Park 3 because it's just all yeah. about like weird dinosaur action scenes and the characters are just like bonkers boring. <laughs> Uh, I actually like have never seen any of the Jurassic World like the newer adaptations. Oh wow. I just have yeah, it's like one of those that I've just avoided. It's one of those that I just like I don't know if I have any interest in seeing it. I feel like <laughs> I should just to be someone who has. Um, yeah, no. It's they're overhyped. So Yeah, it's <laughs> a good well call in skipping that. that. And you can just yeah. listen to our very original podcast episode our first one was yes, on Jurassic World exactly I'll do that and call it a day yeah so if you want to listen to bad audio and Shelby and I sort of like figuring out what we're doing you can listen to that um, honestly it'll be more entertaining than the movie so probably yeah. and and shorter as well yeah yeah. Uh, yeah so Sierra why don't you go ahead and tell us your first favorite pick for a book to film adaption Okay, I'm going to start with one, like my most controversial one, I think. Oh, that might be on your worst list. I don't know. I'm just making some (laughs) assumptions right now. But I would say the first Hunger Games is one of my favorite. That's, yeah. 
That's a good Books, one. movie adaptations. What do you guys think I, first? I agree. I think it's a good one. Oh, I think okay. it, it's a uh, saturation is interesting to talk about, but ultimately I think it stayed true to the book and I like it yes. a lot. <laughs> and this is like strictly the first Hunger Games book. Like yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. think I also like as someone who read the books before any of the movies came out, I read them like <clears throat> I have a sister who's seven years younger than me. So she was the one who actually introduced me to the book. Oh, no shame. And, you can still. Yeah. Yeah, I, no, I yeah, it was one of those own, that, like, you know? <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> it was one of those books too that, like, I read all the way through, and I like didn't did not like Mockingjay, the last one. So obviously, oh, yeah. would not have liked the last Trash. two movies. But The Hunger Games, like, whoa, whoa. I just remember. <laughs> oh, it was. Oh no! But I just remember reading that book and being like, I one. This is literally a book about like kids killing kids for entertainment. Right. And like, why is it so popular? And yet it works and I cannot put it down. I'm thoroughly entertained. I think I read the first one like three times when mm. the first time I read it. And um, I, it was one of those books too that like had so much hype for when the movie came out. And I think the movie, like, I think it is actually pretty close scene to scene from the book. Mm-hmm. They had like smaller changes, but I just feel like I was, the, the way I judged a lot of these, the ones, the favorites that I picked were like, how did I feel reading the book and how did I feel watching the movie? And they were like exactly the same. Like the image I had in my head reading the book and then watching the movie, they like perfectly captured it and made something as crazy as like kids killing kids totally like <laughs> digestible to watch, I guess is the word. Right. But um yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's, well how did you feel about PETA's casting? Because I feel like that's where people uh, were like, no thanks. I don't know. I <laughs> <laughs> poor Josh Hutcherson. I, I feel know. like he kind of grew on me. I think it was just like the whole hype thing kind of. Yeah. Because I liked him too, but everyone hated him. Because in the books, he's like, oh, tall, blonde, farm boy. Yeah, and that's what movie, it was. And in the movie, he's yeah. like this short little brunette who's mopey all the time. But, but I he's loved also him, like, so. very lovable, though. Yeah. Like, he's like he's yeah. a good character. I was fine with it. And like, I find Liam Hemsworth a little like stiff as an actor. But um, yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, that's because you real. haven't seen Isn't It Romantic? Oh, I have seen it. He actually was <laughs> oh. the best part of Isn't It Romantic. I thought he was funny. Okay. Which yeah, is saying something because that movie was fantastic. <laughs> oh, uh, a great <laughs> no, film. It was not. Uh, some would say better than The Hunger Games. No, I oh, loved okay. the books. Uh, well, at least the first two. I think that Hunger Games mm-hmm. Catching Fire is maybe the better movie and better book. But the mm. I, I like, like the book better. I like the I like the original Hunger Games movie. Aside from all of the shaky cam, there's so much shaky cam in this movie, <laughs> and I remember watching it and being like slightly nauseous, especially in those opening <laughs> scenes where they're like in the woods. I was like, oh, just, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. They're just like calm it down. down. Just calm it down, people. I think the scene that stuck with me the most is when they're at the games and Josh Hutcherson, PETA and Katniss kiss for the first time and it immediately cuts to <laughs> to Gail just staring out over empty fields, just like moping. <laughs> I've like never forgotten that. It was just like in the theater, everyone groaned. It was like, oh, poor guy. Like it was just an unforgettable moment a great stylistic choice kick them while they're down <laughs> that is hilarious <laughs> yeah. i remember yeah. that i just remember one of my favorite scenes from that that stuck with me is when she uh like right before they're about to go up into the games and lenny kravitz is her like uh, what yes. is it, mentor and she's just like shaking i just remember being like oh man this is so good and is it the oh, first yeah. one or the second one where they just kill him right before i think it's the oh, second it's, one no the, whenever the second, she goes back in the games. Yeah, yeah 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 um, 
so transitioning from one uh, bird related trilogy to another bird related <laughs> book, my favorite book of all time and one of the greatest movie adaptions, in my opinion, is the 1962 version of To Kill a Mockingbird starring Gregory <laughs> Peck. And this is just like a cinematic classic you know the yes. book the book is like an american favorite everybody reads it in high school and i think that it's really easy for those types of books to ha- turn out to be really bad movie adaptions especially when there's not like a lot going on in them necessarily plot wise and it's really more about like the tone and the feel and making the actors like bring these characters from the book to life even though there's so much less space for them in the movie than there is in the book obviously and i just can't think Mm -hmm. of a character who is embodied better than gregory peck playing atticus finch like you read that book and then you watch Mm -hmm. that movie and it is the character and he won an oscar for it and i just for me the book and the movie are so like good and work so well together that it's almost like when you're watching the movie you you can like feel lines of dialogue from the book coming to you and when you're reading the book you can like see clips from the movie just because they're so closely intertwined and when i was trying to pick like best book to movie adaptions i was like what are the books that i love the most that then when they did in a movie i felt like yes you nailed it and this for (laughs) me was like at the top of my list what did you see? Did you read it first or did you watch it first? I read it first. I read it in like oh, nice. seventh grade. I think my teacher assigned it and I like read it at home, but then she would read passages from it in class. And I just have very visceral memories of her like reading sections of it and crying in front of our class while she was oh, reading wow. it. And like wow. everybody in the class crying. It was just very emotional. And then we watched the movie Whoa. and it's so good. Also, it's Robert Duvall's like first film uh, credit as Boo Radley. Wow. He like pops out behind yeah. the door for three seconds at the end of the movie. And you're like, hey, you're going to be like one of the world's most famous actors in a couple of years. <laughs> so if you ever saw him, would you, is that what you'd reference? You'd be like, you were great as Boo Radley. I mean, you know, he was also really great in <laughs> Widows uh, as the crazy uh, like grandfather yeah. who just oh, gets like geez. shot in the yeah. house. So it's one of those <laughs> two roles, a, really. Yeah, yeah. It's mm-hmm. a tie, really. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's oh, man, fair. Widows was robbed at this award ceremony this year. Awards yeah. Season. That's a whole <laughs> Thank other topic. Thank you. Thank you. I agree. Don't Matt encourage her, not. Sierra. Don't encourage Matt her. That is so good wow, to hear. Wow, Shelby. We like I know. We should start our oh own podcast. <laughs> Bye, Matt. <laughs> Kill me. <laughs> yeah. Um, my second choice is sort of I don't know if it'll count and Matt will probably make fun of me for it but I feel like I just need to give this movie a shout out so that's why I chose it Um, (laughs) and it's um, it's Ever After which is uh, a Cinderella story so if we count Cinderella as source material which we should because it's Mm -hmm. been made over a million times Ever After just rises to the pack as one that took an overtold story and managed to make it something worth watching again. Who is in and this? So, what since, is this movie? Oh my Drew gosh. Barrymore. Let me oh tell my you. Goodness. So Drew Barrymore <laughs> plays Danielle de Barbarac, who is, so it's set as a costume. It's a period piece. It's taken very seriously. There's no magic. There's no fairy godmother. It's just this story of this young girl in 1500s France 
in Renaissance era France, the countryside, and it deals with Leonardo da Vinci shows up. Angelica Huston plays the evil stepmother who has two daughters who one is vying for Prince. And it's just such a delightful masterpiece. The music is beautiful. Drew Barrymore is amazing. All the cast is really great. And it just hits all these beautiful notes. And it's just like a gorgeous film to watch. And I'm just so surprised you've never even heard of it, Matt. Wow, Matt. I have nothing to contribute on this. I have no (laughs) idea what this is. Well, it's a pretty, it's a good deal. It's a, it's like in the 90, it came out in 1998. It had like 90, Rotten Tomatoes has gone back and like read all the reviews and it has a 91% fresh on the website. So I feel very confident in this opinion. (laughs) No, this was like any, like any girl who was born in the 90s. Like, yes, Yes. I was five when this movie came out, but it was one of those that like you watch when you're a little older my cousins are like 10 and eight years older than me respectively. And they were obsessed with it. I think it was very much like same level of like Titanic Leonardo DiCaprio obsession where girls were just like very, very just obsessed with the movie and really enjoyed it. And I know it's so good. It's so good. It's like, it's been like 10 years since I've seen it. I need to see it. again. Oh really? I like watch it once a year. I still, (laughs) I still love it on your level. Yes. It's just like, it's a really clever modernization that's still set in a very romantic era but it also has these very feminist undertones with Danielle yes. who's this very strong female character who kind of stands her ground against this handsome prince and manages to make him see like how to be a better king and it's just like filled with all these great lines and these great scenes and I could tell you the proposal scene okay. like I could perform okay. it for you right yeah, now. Yeah yeah okay <laughs> thrilling thrilling thrilling. Sierra what's your second choice? We need to move on we're right where this is going along already um so are we sticking strictly to movies no you can do tv if you have tv okay one of my the most recent pick that i have um is big little lies i thought it was just such a good adaptation i so my like origin story for reading that one is i read it i think like the summer before the movie came or the tv show came out and it was like right before they even announced it and i read the book and I was like this I'm just I'm a big like I don't know if you would classify Big Little Lies as like chiclet which I really hate that phrase I know, mm-hmm. it's such a stupid anyways phrase. but yeah definitely towards like women's contemporary I guess is what they would like classify it, it as right and I was like obsessed I devoured it over the summer like told all my friends to read it and then when I saw that Reese Witherspoon was adapting it I was like this is going to be great and even though I feel like this TV show had so many changes from the Book, and which I think in the upcoming season that they just released a trailer in front of Game of yeah. Thrones a couple weeks ago. I don't know how I feel about the second season entirely because yeah. I feel like it was such a good book and it's a singular book. There's no sequel. I don't know how I feel when they adapt it further. But I mean, I the know. first season I thought was just incredible and it became – I know a lot of friends who like didn't – who hadn't read the book and were like, I don't know. This seems just kind of like – Real housewives, or they're like all mm-hmm. battered, or like bickering at each other. And it's just so much deeper than that. Like talking about like female friendship and um, just like a lot of things that women don't talk about. And Nicole Kidman's performance mm-hmm. with um, the one Scarsgard, which one is he? Yeah, Alexander. I don't remember. Alexander yeah. Scarsgard. <laughs> and I just, didn't even watch and it. All, all of her therapy <laughs> scenes were just so amazing. Um, yeah, everything was so good. It's so good. 
um yeah so that's that's my tv the soundtrack is great oh i agree with you i'm worried about season two i thought season one ended on such a perfect note it was such a beautiful finale i didn't read the book but i loved this story and i really appreciate when series just have the balls to just end but i I understand why they're they want that money yeah. It was well, it just became, I think, such like a phenomenon and it became like right. named a lot and it was just yeah. very popular. Um what I and think it's too, like that, variety of, of females, so it's like exactly. a good vehicle for women. All star so. cast. Yeah. Um but I think the one change that I really liked it and propelled it to like really stick out in my mind from um book to uh TV series is that Laura Dern's character, Renata, is yes. not likable in the book at all. Like I when they cast Laura Dern, um, Jurassic <laughs> Park tie-in. Um yes. she, <laughs> I was like, really? Like she's such a good actress. Why would they cast her in this like hateable role? Like I she wasn't even that big of a character in my mind in the book. And she just took it oh, to really? a whole new level, made her so um multidimensional, and she was someone who like you totally like rooted yes, for her I and understood her. <laughs> oh, she was so good. She was just so out there and like really brought so much to it that was not in the book at all well i never saw uh big little lies <laughs> and i never read no, it so i'm doing well so far in these mad hates women uh, <laughs> yes <laughs> well well matt what do you have it wouldn't be an have? episode yeah. of the podcast if shelby didn't say it at least once <laughs> Um, my next pick, I feel like is controversial in the real world. I don't know if it'll be controversial for the two of you coming in with a whopping 48% on Rotten Tomatoes. (laughs) I have the 2013 version of The Great Gatsby. Oh, Oh, wow. I love this movie so frigging much. The book is great. The Leonardo DiCaprio one? Yes, the Leonardo DiCaprio, Carrie Mulligan, Tobey Maguire. (laughs) This movie, the music is so good. The costumes are so good. It's just like so much fun to watch. There's Kanye music in it. There's Beyonce music. I feel like the characters are all... Like the it's perfect casting for me. Like they all look exactly like they're supposed to. Yes, it's a little <laughs> bit like meandery at some points, but and maybe a smidge long. But I just love this movie. I could watch it forever. Yeah. I don't know. Do you yeah. guys hate this? <laughs> I, it's complicated. It's yeah, like same. the music is great and the costumes are beautiful, but it's like those are very shallow reasons to love a movie. Ooh. And so a lot of it was just okay. Okay. <laughs> it was just bogged down. It was just like it was just kind of weighted down by like a very heavy handed narrative i guess i didn't love it's Toby the McGuire narrative from the book shelby I which is an know, american classic like didn't do a great job at it but i did love carrie mulligan so. yeah she's so good she's good in everything yeah Ain't that the <laughs> now all you had to say is great gatsby and now i'm just thinking of the lena del rey song so yes thanks. yeah it's just like I, in my head. <laughs> that was played so often when that movie came out oh my yeah. gosh yeah. i just thought i I don't know. Like, I know literally The Great Gatsby is supposed to be about opulence and just, although, but I just thought the movie was trying a little too hard. It was like, yeah. It was very bad. To get like a 2013 audience to pay attention and like it. Uh, I love <laughs> yeah. Baz Luhrmann, though. Yeah. I almost picked Romeo plus Juliet for this as well because that's just <laughs> another great movie. Mm-mm-mm. Yes. Okay, Shelby, yeah. round three. <laughs> 
Okay. Um, this is a, another TV show, uh, The Handmaid's Tale, which was uh, a yes. recent Hulu series, came out in announced in April 2016, came out in 2017, I think. Um, and so obviously, The Handmaid's Tale has been around a while. It came out in the 80s. It's a there's a sequel it's a must coming read for any AP English. Yeah, <laughs> I cannot believe there's a sequel coming. Like I know I just, it's very odd, know. and it's like. I didn't love, like, I respected the book, but it wasn't, like, something I revisited often. So I was interested to see how they would, like, modernize it. And I think this was one where they made the right choice to do a series instead of a movie. Because with a movie, you have to obviously make it work in three acts, basically. Whereas this allows you to kind of breathe some life into it. And I thought they did a really good job of kind of navigating the original text, which has a bunch of, you know... Offred doesn't know really what's going on all the time and she can't really she's not really active in her own life because she can't be but this movie allows a lot more depth the show I mean allows a lot more depth to it because it's they have to fill in the blanks a little bit and mm-hmm. there's a lot more flashbacks that I thought really elevated the plot and not only modernized it so we could understand how something that awful would happen but it really like added to the emotion of these characters and like caring about where they wound up and how they ended up there in the first place. So obviously a supreme cast led by Elizabeth, Elizabeth Moss, yes. but you also have Anne Dowd, you have Alexis yes. Liddell surprising everyone. So mm-hmm. good in that. Yeah. Shocker. <laughs> and it just, it, she won an Emmy, right? Yes. It won like best directing, best writing, best supporting actress, best um, it like sweeped everything a couple of years ago when yeah. Game of Thrones wasn't in the category. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it did like such a good job and it made such interesting choices with its music and its script. And it really, it really made the world like freakishly believable and just like anxiety inducing, especially in the time it came out, which was right after the 2016 election. And there was a lot of yeah. unfortunate parallels that could be drawn. But I'm really not as happy with the second season. And I think it sort of speaks to our anxiety with Big Little Lies second season because it just they didn't have source material. They just kind of went at it. It felt really circular. Nothing happened. And it was just like torture porn where it was just like, let's see what violent way we can torture these women who have no rights. And like it became a lot. And I just read an article that the creator of this wants to make it a 10 season a what no. series no yeah elizabeth and Moss I'm like, ain't stand for that. Oh. <laughs> she's not gonna be in a yeah 10 i seasons. doubt it will i know no. it's not like this is gray's anatomy like i just feel like they lost sight of like what made the first one work which is it's sort of like a morality tale it's like a speculative like this could happen if you're not careful type of thing that makes it interesting but if you start to go down like a 10 season path then it's sort of like you're just focused on action sequences. You're forced to repurpose these characters to continuously end up in the same cycle. So it's just like, yeah. I don't necessarily trust them as much anymore. Yeah. And like you do that, like, I know they're saying there's gonna be a sequel, but you only can do that if you have like a series like Game of Thrones, right? like you, where you have source material to pull from. And I'm with you. I saw the first season and really loved it. I was, I like, think I binged it after it had all come out. And then I was mm-hmm. super excited for the second season to come. And I watched the first episode was just like, and I, I just don't love, like you said, torture porn and just like seeing yeah. just humans being really mean to other humans without there being like a payoff um, right. to it. And so when 
like did the whole thing in Wrigley Field and the yeah. scene with her ear for anyone I want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't watched it. I was just like, <laughs> nope, I'm done. I nope, can't. Yeah, and it got even wilder. So oh, I bet. I'm glad I didn't yeah, yeah. I'm glad I didn't keep watching it. But I think the first season standing alone is great great yeah i've only seen the first season which i loved especially because the book it is kind of sparse there's not a lot of like character development or backstory it's sort of just like presented as a it's like an allegory almost and so to see them flesh that out in the show and bring it into the current time period i thought was really interesting and clever and yeah i Mm. am dubious on the second season which i haven't seen and the eight more seasons to follow i feel like it could be a a (laughs) lost situation where it just steadily goes downhill too much to a chair but uh sierra what is your final pick for best film adaption well, Matt, you kind of teased it earlier, but I picked Romeo <laughs> plus Juliet. Yes! Oh! <laughs> yes, I just, it's, I do love Boz Lerman as well. I actually, <laughs> I, whenever I think of Boz Lerman, I always think of, didn't he do Australia yes. as well? Yes, I love that movie. So <laughs> underrated of a movie. But back to Romeo plus yeah. Juliet. I the first time I ever watched it was like we I don't know when you guys read Romeo and Juliet in high school, mm-hmm. but it was like our freshman year um Ooh. Shakespeare play we had to read. For like I, I went to high school in Dallas and every or in um in Frisco in the suburbs. And I um every year you had to read a Shakespeare play and you had to like recite word for word, like at least like a five minute snippet of it. And that was oh, the only nice. one that I like actually enjoyed and had a lot of fun <laughs> with. And our my teacher was like absolutely obsessed. She had a shirt that said, I am fortune's fool. Like she was one of those <laughs> English teachers. Love it. And that surprisingly when I was 14 was the first time I had watched, um, watched this adaptation. And I <laughs> had no idea it was exactly like word for word, um, the actual Shakespeare's words. Yeah. And I just think it was like so many, like it's so stylistic, but it works. And I think it's a very 90s movie, definitely like made in the <laughs> yes. same time as Ever After. It has the same aesthetic, I think, <laughs> as that, tying it back into one of Shelby's earlier picks. Yeah. But I think it was one of those that like every 14 year old should see to actually like understand what Romeo and Juliet is about. Like, yes, it's one of Shakespeare's, I think, easiest plays to understand, but it really is just so great. And like, I, Cannot think of a more romantic scene than Leonardo DiCaprio and Claire Danes looking at each other through that um, <laughs> the fish, fish tank. tank and, uh. Oh my god, it's like the peak of romance. I the pool right. scene is pretty romantic too. Oh yeah. Oh yes. Oh yes. Claire and Leo are but so good in those roles, and the music is great. So that Halloween party is fantastic. All yes, of and the she has stuff the wings with in the, the back. yeah with oh. the guns and the like. Uh, John Leguizamo is yeah, great. Uh, yeah. And when um Mercutio comes out in drag, that's also a great scene. Yeah. <laughs> There's just it's just yeah. He's also in Lost. I forget about yep. him all the time. Uh, his career went downhill. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just think it was like they he took Rosalind took so many chances with it and they completely paid off and mm-hmm. yeah, it's still like I will still watch that. I think I that's one that I watch at least once a year, too. Just cuz it's so much oh, fun. Oh wow. Super fun. It's my it's my ever after, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good old Boz Lerman. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't think he has a third book adaption for me to pick right now. Yeah. But no, sorry. Maybe someday soon he will adapt uh, <laughs> the movie or slash book that I picked as my third, starring Sigourney Weaver. It's 2003's 
Holes, also with Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> oh my gosh, I, I forgot. forgot about this movie. This is my this is one of my picks too. Love I this <laughs> book. I saw the movie first and I mm. love the movie so much that I went back and read the book and it held up like it's uh it's so good. And it's such a great book because it's a middle grade book and there's so much to it there's like multiple timelines and things from the past happening with things in the future there's like there's the grandmother and then the like way back west there's just so many things yeah kiss and kate barlow played by future (laughs) oscar winner patricia arquette who would have guessed uh a woman of many faces i know so good yeah and it stars the it stars guests from psych so don't forget him. Oh yeah, he's her like lover <laughs> that she can't marry, and then she I can fix that. For yeah, you. and then she yeah. poisons herself <laughs> with that Gila monster or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that can only be like it, the the um. Oh, God, it doesn't like saying? onions. Jeez. Yeah. And yes, yeah. yes, that's what it was. And they <laughs> ate all of them and were on God's thumb and survived. Oh my gosh, I need to rewatch this yes. immediately. Madame yeah, carry Madame Zeroni up the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> and Shia LaBeouf raps on the soundtrack. Will be cursed for always oh. and eternity. Yeah. <laughs> if only, if only the woodpecker cries. And Shia LaBeouf loves this movie too. I think that was my favorite part of him watching his own oh, movies he, he, like, back was when he got to this one. Yeah. Mm. He like lit up and I was like, oh my gosh, same Shia. Like I get it. Same, same, just- same. The, we were talking about the soundtrack, <laughs> the song that they all like sang together. I remember they played that yeah. every 30 minutes on Disney Channel, and I yeah. lived for it every It was a good choice on their part. It was great. Well, they just like made it up. They just made it up on the bus wow. together, and then they decided to record it for the film. So. I love that. <laughs> I even had – I thought the kid who played Zero was the cutest kid in the world. I had a poster he of him so cute. up on my wall, like Tiger Beat style. Oh, my gosh. Oh, nice. Wow. True love. Yeah, I didn't know they made like – posters for holes but oh yeah, yeah. and those also yeah. yeah they did it was 2003 they had <laughs> posters probably Shelby. like what 10 yes oh yeah. if that mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. i i would say i'm embarrassed but i'm not i stand by the choice yeah. it's not it's a good movie there are it worse there are worse yeah. people Great to choice. uh to choose okay well thank you thank you for your support guys <laughs> So those are the (laughs) clearly the nine best book to film adaptions ever made. Ever. Um, Now we're moving into the nine worst book to film adaptions ever. (laughs) Uh, Do we want to go in the same order or do we want to switch it up? Let's go backwards. Okay. Okay. I'll go first. You all. So my criteria for this was I I only picked things (laughs) that I had read the book and seen the movie for. And I I was like, what are books that I absolutely loved that then the movie came out and it was a disaster (laughs) and I hated it and nothing came clearer to my mind than Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows part (laughs) two, which I, I, I did that one too. (laughs) (laughs) It is Uh, the worst of all the worst Harry Potter's. It's it's not on my list, but I agree with you. It's the worst of the Harry Potter's. (laughs) I waited in line. I, for this movie, because it was the last Harry Potter movie to come out, 
I reread the entire series. This came out, I think, the year, the summer after my freshman year of college. And I waited in line like 10 hours to see this to get the best seats in the movie theater. And I (laughs) was so mad the entire time. It was such a disaster. I like could not sleep that (laughs) night when I got home. I was so disappointed that they ruined this. And I have not seen it (laughs) since. Why didn't he fix his own wand? (laughs) Why did he break the elder wand? Why did he snap it? Honestly. (laughs) My whole thing is that the point of the last Harry Potter book is that Harry beats Voldemort because Harry has friends and all these people that love each other and work together to defeat Voldemort. And that is why he wins. And in the movie, that's not why he wins. Why he wins is because him and Voldemort do a weird wrestling match on the roof and he happens to beat him. Well, and the no, they fly together. through the air. Yeah. They fly. Yeah. yeah. It's, it was, and morph. It's just like, who who approved this? Like, like what? Like what? I'm getting upset yeah. talking about it now. Somebody else. Did, I can't. Uh, well, it was. It was just such a weird choice because it felt like, I mean, obviously the series had always struggled to match the books because there's just so much content in yes. the books. But it was such a weird deviation that entire finale like it was like they're supposed to be explaining the entire series in this little showdown right now like they're supposed to be explaining why harry potter's outsmarting voldemort why he doesn't feel the same need that dumbledore did to like have this control of the elder wand and why like the magic is working in his favor over voldemort and it's like you didn't get any of that none of it tied together no one who didn't read the books cared about Snape cared about the Elder Wand, cared about like the Deathly Hollows. It's just like it was such a hot mess, and it was so frustrating that they chose that path. Ugh. I agree, and like I think about it often, like what my favorite Harry Potter book is, and thinking about it a lot, like Deathly Hollows is my favorite Harry Potter book because I think like I had never, I which I think is a little bit controversial, but I don't <laughs> think I, I can think of any other series that had so much anticipation. Or how a series yeah. should end, and it wraps it up so beautifully. I cry every time I read it, and mm. for it to just fall so flat on screen, and to make such like significant deviations and like artistic changes, oh my that gosh. just did not. When work. Neville didn't kill Nagini yeah. in that first like scene, I was like, "What the f?" And then yeah. they just had him chase the snake. There was just this weird snake chase scene. It was just bad. But somehow, yeah. and then like the first paint. Somehow, this movie has a ninety six percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which I will. <laughs> fully never understand <laughs> i personally think part one was i liked part yeah one. part one was good i, I was, did like part one i thought it was good which is I why i had high hopes for part two okay so sierra give us your first bad pick um similar to um yours thing that i was just completely distraught about and i've only seen once is Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 2. <laughs> oh, really? I liked that one. <laughs> wow, what a specific what? one. Yes. Wait, you liked, you've seen all the Twilight yes, movies? Yes, I've I read was, them and seen uh, them all. Oh, wow. And I like the act. Wow, and I like the, I li- I like the weird fight scene that they injected in and then were like surprised <laughs> that didn't happen. I, I thought that was a fun well, bit. Just, like, I also like did not like the book. The whole like in the end that like, oh, like, Bella's power is that you could just like take her mind and protect everyone. Yep. Like what? No thanks. What? It was a bad and then, book. What, the well, that, and there was the whole imprinting. That's on what a creepy. Baby. Thank you, Shelby. I was <laughs> getting to that because I. That's like what sticks out in my mind is having a grown ass twenty one year old like fall in love with a f- literal infant and have the baby it's look so like disturbing. it's like has adult like yeah. I, it's it's disgusting. It's awful. And like I would yeah. say like the first Twilight movie is 
laughable, but it's like an enjoy it. It's like so <laughs> bad it's good kind of movie where yeah. part two, Breaking Dawn, is just completely off. Well, and her delivery is seeing her childbirth. Oh, yeah, where she's just... drinking the oh, blood out of the Slurpee cup. <laughs> There's so much I've forgotten about that movie. Oh, and the cup, like a smoothie. Yeah. Like a smoothie. Yeah, pretty disturbing choices there. I also, <laughs> I, the, another thing I appreciate about that movie is the fact that the credit scene is a full nine like minutes long of that Jar of Hearts song where they not only do credits for the people in this movie, but credits for anybody who has been in any of the Twilight movies. Oh, I didn't know that. It's very strange. <laughs> I turned it off the second it was done. I, I cannot yeah, believe I you say it to the you... credits. Holy shit. Um, yeah, that's wild. <laughs> So another movie that I really did not care for at all. Hey, Wait, what a show oh, well, do I not get? Didn't to you do pick one? Deathly Hallows as well? I was counting that as a oh, co-pick. Yeah, okay, yeah. I mean, okay, you can. Okay, 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 go. okay, go okay Shelly, go. go. Just, <laughs> <laughs> well, this one just came. I just tried watching this one. Um, Rick Yancey's The Fifth Wave series is one of my favorite oh. new sci-fi um, young adult series. And when I heard they were doing a movie, I knew it wouldn't be good because the story is kind of complex and it's sort of like a weird science fiction. There's like this wonder. It's hard to put to screen and they really did not do well with like 2016's The Fifth Wave starring Chloe Grace Moritz. Oh, well, um, that was all you needed to get already, rid of me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. It was really bad. And it was just like everything that was wrong with YA dystopian movies these days like Divergent didn't even get to the final book because the movie was just so bad yeah (laughs) oh I read that yeah and it's just like nothing no YA movies are working as well anymore like YA um, dystopian or like big picture hits like this because they just they just give up the characters for these like splashy action scenes no one likes and they don't have the budget to make them like that good so it just looks really cheesy really bad and then you're relying on really bad child actors and it just this one especially yes. was just a Wait, hot mess so Shelby Chloe Grace Martz is a fantastic actress she told me <laughs> that she said she was amazing yeah. <laughs> and she deserved an Oscar for that movie that Louis C.K. was in that she couldn't get it for because oh, he yeah, was in it. But right. otherwise, she would have one. Oh, otherwise, she would have been made. Oh. Yeah. Well, this was a poor, this is a sad, um, sad step down for her then, I guess, because this is just not even worth watching. And I turned it off halfway through. So. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm assuming, Sierra, that you did not read this book or see this movie because nobody did. Neither. Okay. Yeah, no, I was one of those that's like... <laughs> the book's well, good, like, though. Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. do. Because I feel mm-hmm. like like dystopian YA novels have <laughs> okay. continued to have their time in the sun for a while. But yeah, like, yeah. Like you said, like with... Which I think why Hunger Games works though so well is that I don't think it even did have that big of a budget. It was more just like right. relying on character development and sticking to like just showing it in a more believable way where it's like I have like I said I've never seen what the fifth wave is that what's called yeah (laughs) Yeah. I remember seeing trailers for it being like nope not gonna see it oh it's bad yeah good it's pretty bad Uh, (laughs) another sci-fi book that I adored and then the movie version really I hated Shelby and I have talked about this on the podcast but last year's Annihilation which <laughs> oh. I think is a movie that people who have I liked it. I know you did. 
<laughs> but the the fun the interesting part for me of the book is that there's this whole like hypnosis and like psychological warfare kind of plot line that's going on and in the movie they totally pulled that out and instead had this weird biodome that like everything in the dome uh, like DNA matches. So you got women turning into trees and alligators turning into birds and all kinds of weird stuff going on that doesn't <laughs> happen in the books. And I don't know, I read the book and I liked it so much. And then I saw the movie and I was just like, what are you, like, what's going on? Why are we making these choices? And then there's that whole weird scene in the lighthouse at the end where it's like, she's facing off against her tar baby double. Ugh, creepy. <laughs> I haven't seen I haven't seen it or read the book, but I heard it was good. Yeah, it was. So <laughs> it's on my list. Uh. Yeah, you should enjoy it. Okay, Siri, what's your next pick? My next pick is I think it came out in 2017, but The Girl on the Train. I oh wow, it. it was one of those that like I think it's very similar with like the whole like Gone Girl and um, mm-hmm. Woman in Cabin Ten is another like book that's similar oh, to that. Yeah. And it was like I had read the book right before I watched it. Like I think like I finished it two days before I watched the movie. And um, I really enjoyed the the book. It was like a little bit predictable, but it I was still like really enthralled by the writing. It was like fast paced. It was it was good. And then the the movie just completely like dumped all on it. Like the character in the book is supposed to be like a little like overweight she's supposed to be a little like frumpy dumpy and like emily blunt is just beautiful and she she could have gained like 15 pounds like come on um and it just i the twist at the end was like blaring at me the entire time in (laughs) the movie and then changing it in the book she's in london and they change it to new york which really i i don't know but then cast a british actress it makes no sense exactly like and she didn't i don't even think she hid her accent i don't know and it's one of those (laughs) things it's like i love emily blunt and this was just not she was miscast i don't think it should have been her but i was one of those that like i it just it fell completely flat and all the choices were just wrong to me i yeah i only heard bad things i never read the book i liked the movie fine having not read the book but i can see if i had read it Mm -hmm. i probably would have hated the movie because that's usually how it goes yeah yeah well that's interesting uh segue into my next choice because this is a movie that i actually really love but then I read the book and I'm just really upset about it. And it's World War Z. And have either wow. of you read this no, book? No, but you told me to read no. it. So now I'm getting... Yes. What, like, what, <laughs> no, what am I no, supposed to do? That's, <laughs> well, that's the thing is World War Z is a 2006 novel by Max Brooks. And it's basically a collection of individual accounts narrated by this agent of the of this commission that's going to figure out what happened after the zombie apocalypse and like how did different societies like manage to survive and like what happened. And he's collecting the, it's an oral history. So he's collecting all these different stories. So it's not like your traditional zombie three act like show where it's about some families surviving and beating the odds. It's after the fact and it's dealing with all the aftermath and this question of like, is it worth surviving? Like at what cost, you know? And so it was a really interesting book and it's just so different, so distinct. And then you have the movie, which is a Brad Pitt zombie flick that's just a very <laughs> action thriller. It was plagued with horrible, horrible, horrible 
pre-post production issues, they had to reshoot. They like did. They realized the script wasn't working. The movie wasn't working. They had to bring in two new writers to write up a finale and then reshoot for seven weeks. So it was just like a mess. But it happened to turn into a good film, I think, which is a really fun zombie flick has absolutely zero to do with the novel. Like, not yeah. a single thing. Not when a you character. were describing the novel, I was like, are we talking about the same thing? Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> what? No, it's really upsetting because the original script um, that was greenlit was actually leaked like when it was written and people were like, wow, this is going to be like an Oscar winning film. It's like really like it's in the vein of children of men. It's going to be like very atmospheric and about like, I don't know how he did it, but he connected all these stories in such an interesting way. And then they scrapped it for whatever reason. They needed bigger explosions. They needed fancier like I don't know scenes and so it just became this zombie flick this this run of the mill and I'm mad because now it's World War Z and no one can make the real World War Z you know what I mean they just wasted the source material well give it a couple years and I can be able to remake it again (laughs) I hope (laughs) well they were supposed to do a sequel and that got cancelled because again there was just huge production issues and no one wanted to write the script and it just wasn't working. The book working, sounds so. kind of a little bit like Captive State though which was a terrible movie so <laughs> No not at all it's not I mean I don't even know what you think is similar there but it's not at all like Captive State. <laughs> okay well either way. Just wanna, just wanna say that. Uh, so my last choice for worst book to film adaption is a very blatant cash grab that I think is just turned the whole project into a disaster when they decided to turn one book into three movies inexplicably. I'm talking about (laughs) the Hobbit and in particular, the first (laughs) movie in the Hobbit trilogy, the Hobbit and unexpected Mm. journey. The book is great and could easily have been turned into a movie, a very good movie. It's not, there's not a lot going on. It's not super long. It's basically a bunch of people on a trip trying to, you know, find some gold at the end. And instead they split it into three movies, made these weird looking goblin creatures that are so cartoony and pack so much (laughs) random crap in there that has nothing to do with the plot. And these characters that aren't even in the book that are from like supplemental materials that... J.R.R. Tolkien like <laughs> dreamed up the movie is just bloated it's a disaster I I watched it at a midnight screening and fell asleep dream part of it which never happens <laughs> oh, no. like I would avoid it all costs if I were you if you haven't seen this already doesn't it end with like a literal cliffhanger where it's like they're dangling off of a tree on a yes, ledge yes the first one and then there's two <laughs> full movies after that I literally thought there was only one Hobbit movie. Nope. Until you said this. There's three. Oh, yeah. No, they dragged it out. Wow. And it's weird because Lord of the Ring works because the um, costumes, the like orcs, all the creatures are very realistic looking. Most of it was just makeup or, you know, whatever else they needed to do. Whereas Hobbit is all green screen. It's all computer animated and it's all very bad. Yeah. Like with the original Lord of the Rings, there's a lot of like forced perspective and like just like cool Mm -hmm. things that were very yeah still visually like attractive and this yeah like you said it's just completely computer yeah. not they just in have a white the goblin 
Uh, okay, finish us off, Sierra. <sighs> My last one. I and I think this is something that Shelby and I have in common. I like I love YA novels, and I still like mm-hmm. like adaptations of them. But Paper Towns is the big old piece of crap. <laughs> yeah. It was so bad, so bad, so bad. And for mm-hmm. those of you not familiar with Paper Towns, it's a John Green novel adapted with one of the Naked Brother bands boys yes. and as the lead, and Cara Delevingne as like, like manic pixie dream girl lead and it was just like it's so bad i like i read the book watched the movie and i know that there is a road trip and i know that she (laughs) like he like needs to find clues to come find her in these paper towns which are like maps towns that are on a map but don't really exist and i can't tell you anything else like besides that because it was just so bad that i blocked it in the book they like (laughs) and i love break into sea world or some point at some point isn't that a plot point maybe some sort of Honestly, I watched this after <laughs> watching Magic Mike 2, um, which are both road trip movies, surprisingly. And so I can't tell you which together. I liked better, honestly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was pretty bad. And and poor Kara, I really think she just needs to not act. Just not yeah. anymore. Fun fact, yeah. I saw her one time in Soho, like about two years ago. Oh. And she is so much shorter than you think she is probably five oh really on a good day oh wow interesting great eyebrows though rare for a model yeah of course so Cara Delevingne and Chloe Grace Moretz can go hang out in a group where they just don't act anymore (laughs) so those are our best and worst now we are going to pitch each other on a book that we think should be turned into a movie or tv show that has not yet uh Sierra do you want to go first Yes, I have a formal pitch and then one that I'll just throw out there okay. at the end. But um, <laughs> one, my favorite book that I read last year was um, The Immortalist. And it's this book about um, four siblings who go to um, a fortune teller. It's set in the 70s in the beginning. And the fortune teller tells them the day they're going to die. And the book is broken up into four different sections of the four siblings. And it just kind of plays into the whole like – um, free will, like if you knew the day you were going to die, like would it affect how you lived? Like, is it even true? There's so many different things you think about. And it's like the one book that I talk about the most with my friends mm. who have read it and who I tell to read. And I could think it would be a really good mini series. And um, yeah, I really recommend you guys that read it. More or less good. by, yeah. I think, Chloe Benjamin. I would, I'm green lighting this. That sounds great to me. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Good pitch. <laughs> Oh, and then my other pitch, which I got this idea from the podcast Binge Mode, which I love, mm-hmm. but I think they should turn Harry Potter into a TV series. Yes, yes 100%. Which a lot of, or even perfect. do like they say on that as well, which I agree with, is um, do like an offshoot with like the Marauders and explore like some of the Marauders stuff or – but do yeah, you well, like, instead we got yeah, the Crimes, Crimes of Grindelwald. Of Grindelwald so. a, a great <laughs> film. Well, Sierra and I saw that together as well. <laughs> yeah, We did see that together and we were like – we ended and we were like, oh, yeah, that was just a general. <laughs> yep. It was a general yeah. feel. <laughs> uh, Shelby, you want to pitch us? Okay. Well, I have one I've been waiting. Yes. Okay. So I read this when I, I grew up on this it's 2005 novel that for some reason has not been made. Uglies by Scott Westerfeld. Oh, oh my yes. God. YA series. And How has it, that not been made? 
I don't know. It's like something I ask all the time because basically it's about a society where once you turn 16, you get made over into this perfect, beautiful person who lives happily ever after. And it's about this girl who wants nothing more than to turn pretty, but the government sort of persuades her that she has to go and help track down this um, sect of people who are who are trying to resist the government. And so she's tasked to go find them, track them down so that they can destroy them. And so her motivation is to just become pretty. And it's just, it would be such an easy movie to make because all you need is pretty people. You know what I mean? We could be in it. I just think... Yeah, cast <laughs> yeah. Us. what I really want to see Cassie is like freaking so. yeah. <laughs> I would I'm love to see picture. like I think this would be perfect with like Noah Centiano who is in To All the Boys I've oh, Loved yeah. Before on Netflix. He's having Ooh. a moment right now, and he could play like what's called the Uglies, who's the the side but of people who's going to be the, the ugly surgery. one. He would be an ugly. Yeah, yeah, I think so because you could mess him up a little, and he has sort of like a non-classically pretty. He has a thick hmm. neck. His neck is thicker than his head. Well, yeah, it's see, weird. Can, yeah, exactly. So there, like little sticks like that would make him make sense as an ugly, and then you'd have like Michael B. Jordan as oh, a pretty. Oh yeah, you know what I oh, mean? Yeah, you would. Yeah, you would. <laughs> and then like the girl, there's so many young actresses who could play him, like Mackenzie Foy from Nutcracker. And who played young Murph in Interstellar. Murph. Murph. <laughs> or like Rowan Blanchard from Girls Meets World. Like, I think it's just such an easy film to cast that it just needs to be made. So I just Googled it. My it has been optioned. So like, oh. it it's been optioned be for the last decade, girl. Yeah. Like, I have been oh. watching this. <laughs> Nothing's happening. Uh. But it needs to. <laughs> I feel like it could be a great, like, Hulu series or something. Yeah. Yeah. Anything. Like, anyone. Literally anything. It's just... Yes, it's just such a good story, and I just love I'm it. into it. Yes, I agree. Yes, same. Okay, what about you, Matt? So I am pitching the Secret History by Donna Tart. I don't know if either of you have read this. It's one of my favorite novels. And basically it starts, it's set at a boarding school up in like New Hampshire or someplace in the winter. And it's this group of classic students and they all decide to push one of them off a cliff and kill him. And so then you go backwards (laughs) in time and move forwards to see like what leads up to this point of them murdering this boy. And then you go past that and see like what happens to their lives afterwards. But it it's just like this cool, mysterious boarding school theme. They're all like rich, uh, attractive young mm. people. It, I'm into this. It, it's, <laughs> the book is amazing. I feel like basically you could just take the cast from Perks of Being a Wallflower and put them in <laughs> this like... <laughs> Like Logan Lerman and Ezra Miller and Emma Watson, like in that age period, would have been great in this movie, filling up the various character slots. Um, but yeah, it's it's like a it's a cool it's a murder mystery in a cool setting with a cool take, and I can just like see the opening sequence of like them pushing him off and then like fading back and going. It, it's it's very cinematic, and the fact that they're making the Goldfinch, which is Donna Tartt's yeah. other book, which is a train wreck and very weird to be making a new movie because it's so big <laughs> and like set over anything, 50 yeah. years it, it yeah. makes no this movie it's not is, gonna go well yeah is so much better or this book is so much better for a movie so that's my pitch yeah. it's a good one that's i'll it. sign off on it yeah 
Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. <laughs> well, great. I'm glad that we're all film executives uh, and that we can get yeah. this done. You can look forward to these. Yeah. <laughs> Sierra, maybe you can pitch this at BuzzFeed and they'll just all star the Try Guys. <laughs> Oh, yeah, 100%. Yes. Yeah, they don't even work there anymore. So that oh, really helps. Oh, there we go. Oh, uh, whoops. Uh, yeah. <laughs> never mind. Where'd they go? Are they still like, to- like together? They just moved on to bigger and better things? They're exploring like, their personal um, yeah. creative They consciously uncoupled. Yeah. Oh, they're not even a group anymore. Oh, well, I think they like they'll do BuzzFeed stuff if they're like if they um or like ask back, but they're not like a BuzzFeed oh group gosh. anymore. Wow. <laughs> Shocking. They one direction. They're on. doing their Stay own tuned yeah. for another podcast where Sierra tells us about all the juicy inside gossip at BuzzFeed <laughs> and all of their various yes. writers slash performers. Um, but thank you so much for being on this episode, Sierra. This was great and so yeah. much fun. Of course. This is such so good fun. taste. Yes. We'll have to have you I back, like, you know? Of course, yeah. I love talking about books and especially awful book to movie adaptations. And yeah. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Well, next week we are talking about Avengers Endgame, which yes. Sarah and I will be seeing shortly. <laughs> and I'm sure I will hate. So stay tuned for that episode coming yeah. next Thursday. We're going to have to be dehydrated for it. Yeah, it's three hours and 10 minutes, I think, is the final runtime. I I don't mind if I have to take a good 20 minute bathroom break (laughs) in the middle. I'm like, what does this glove do? What does it matter? (laughs) I'll have Shelby answer my questions, anyways. (laughs) Yeah. But until then, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Google, Gmail at P.S. You're wrong and P.S. You're wrong at gmail.com. You can follow or find us on Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe. You can leave us a comment, which is a great thing to do. It helps more people see the podcast. <laughs> um, and until next time, uh, let us know what your favorite book and film, book to film adaptions are on social media. And we can, um, you know, see if we agree or not. Yeah. Tell you you're wrong. So, <laughs> yeah. Which you probably are. Okay. Bye, guys. <laughs>